Right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our seminar on busyness, not business, as you may have been misheld. So if you came here wanting to know how to run a side business, maybe this is helpful, but not the main reason that we're here. So if you want to turn to page 21 of our NYC booklets, if you haven't got it on you, feel free to grab it or make sure you're sitting next to someone with a booklet. Um, yeah, and to get us thinking, we've got a starter question. In this seminar, we're going to be asking you to work in groups and threes. It's going to be a lot of feedback, a lot of um, me asking a question, you discussing it amongst yourselves with scripture in front of you. But the first question that I just want you to talk about get your tired brains working for a minute or so, is what is the purpose of a human being and how does rest fit into this purpose? Yeah. You know, just a light question, an icebreaker. What is the chicken? Yeah. Is what is, correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So hopefully that's got your brains working and to start to think. So why start with this question in a busyness seminar? Wouldn't it be easy for me to just give from the front how do we balance several committees whilst getting good grades, doing internships, maybe doing a job on the side and how to do time management? However, thinking about what is the purpose of a human being, why are we here, our creaturely limitations and our need for a rest is a much more helpful foundation when thinking about busyness and university life. Often our thinking about busyness can be, how do I squeeze God into my already hectic timetable rather than how do the truths of scripture mean I approach university life differently. Um, so in this seminar, we are going to be thinking about how God has made us in creation and in Christ. And from that, how we deal with the busyness that gets thrown at us at the University of St. Andrews. Um, so if I could ask you to reach for a Bible and we're going to go to the beginning, first to Genesis one twenty six to 2.25. In my half of the talk, we're going to be doing a very quick biblical overview, but we'll start in Genesis. And again, with the people next to you, it's quite a long passage, Genesis one twenty six to 2.25, but hopefully one you know quite well. Um, and turning into your twos and threes, just have a skim over the passage. And the first two questions are, what is the significance that humans are made in God's image, made from dust, created for God's glory? How do all these different aspects work together? And then what about rest in Genesis 1, 26 to 2, 25 surprises us? So I'm going to give you about five minutes to think about this and then feedback. Um, yeah, raveling really. Um, there's so much to say about the early chapters of Genesis, but you've all kind of really been hitting the nail on the head is that the story of the fall is not that we were created as superhumans, able to do everything. And now as a curse of the fall, 
we're dust, we need rest and aren't able to do everything. Um, we see, as Daniel was saying, that man is made from dust. Dust isn't something precious. Um, God could have made us from precious jewels or gold, but he chose before the fall to make us from dust. Um, and we also see in Genesis, if we want to go to Genesis 2, uh, 1 to 3, that us dust men and women are not what creation is all about. Um, we would expect the sixth day, the creation of man, man who would go to the moon and create skyscrapers to be the most important day of creation. Um, but what we see, if you go to Genesis 2 verse 3, is that blessing and consecration is given on the seventh day. As we read in Genesis 2 verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, as Amy was saying, we shouldn't read these verses as kind of God is exhausted. We see throughout Genesis chapter 1 that God can speak and everything we know, all of our creation comes into being. Um, we see in rest here, uh, this rest is after God's good ordering work is completed. And rest here isn't inactivity or exhaustion as we often see it, but rest here is completion. Rest is after God's good ordering work of completion. Um, yeah, and because God has completely made creation and it is perfect, we can rest in that. Um, in other religion stories, in other creation stories, the gods create man to kind of be slaves for them. But here we see our God doesn't need anything from us. We're made from dust um, and we can rest in him and who he is. Um, but as we know, the fall happens. Um, the perfection of creation, including perfect rest, is spoiled by sin. And Adam and Eve are driven out of the Garden of Eden. However, as we see throughout scripture, God still allows his people to experience the rest of God's good completed work in part through the Sabbath and the promised land. Um, so what I'm going to ask us to do now is uh, split the room in two, gender segregated. Matty and Amy, you can decide what. Um, I'll ask this side to look. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this side to look at the rest the Sabbath provides with kind of the verses from Exodus and Deuteronomy and this side to look at the rest the promised land provides. How do we kind of see what they had in the garden? What is this rest specifically like? Yeah, so again, we see similar similarities from Eden, the Sabbath and the promised land. Rest is kind of this picture in God's good complete work. Um, however, like Eden, again, God's people disobey. Um, to give a very quick skim of Old Testament history, uh, the Israelites often, are, well, they're consistently restless. They often look to idols instead of God uh, for rest. Many of the prophets see Israel's lack of respect for the Sabbath as a sign of a bad relationship with the Lord. On the Sabbath, they're often just waiting to make money the next day and not resting in God's good, complete work, and instead wishing that they themselves could go and make more money again, rather than resting in what God has done for them. Um, and then we come to the end of our 
whistle-stop tour through the Bible and rest to the first century. Um, the Sabbath is still being forsaken, but in very different ways. Um, if I could ask you to flick to Matthew 23, verse 4. So whilst in a lot of the Old Testament, the forsaking of the Sabbath is not trusting in God, wanting to get back to normal activities, kind of what is happening in the first century is the Pharisees are making the Sabbath, making all of God's commands, not a time of rest in God, not focused on God, um, but very burdensome and oppressive. In Matthew 23, verse four, it says they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. So we see here again, not rest in God's good, complete work, but again, looking to people pleasing, looking to legalism uh, for righteousness rather than God. Um, and that brings us to the end of our first sheet. If you want to look at the verse at the bottom, um, could I ask Owen to read it out for everyone? Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you. Um, just kind of an explanation of one of the words. A yoke was what animals had on them to pull things and it was a very heavy load. It was often used to describe the load of the Pharisees as quite a heavy yoke. Um, so from all that we've learned about rest, looking at these verses, which kind of often calendar verses and kind of kind of pulled from context, what rest is Jesus providing here? And how does Jesus solve the problem of restlessness that we've seen throughout the Bible. Uh, if In my Bible, it's page 573. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our key verse um, for the section is going to be Colossians three seventeen, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see that all of our actions should be done for Christ because of all that he has done for us. And that should lead us to give thanks to God. Um, so we're going to spend some time just looking at what the context of this verse is. So if you come back to 3 verses 1 to 2. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So we see that the, concept, the context of why um, what we do is for Christ is because of what he has done for us. Um, he is this completed work of um, dying and being resurrected that completely changes our, changes our reality and changes our identity. And therefore, we are now resurrected in Christ. And therefore, all our affections, our concerns, um, our desires should be transformed to focus on the Lord's will for us. Um, so as you keep glancing through the chapter, you'll see that this requires a putting off and um, putting off of past priorities, um, which I think leads to the challenge of does the way we approach work and university look different um, to our friends who aren't Christians? Have we visibly put stuff off? And then as we keep going through the chapter, it then requires um, a putting on of Christ's priorities, 
over all things. And then we get to our key verse of 317, and we see that um, this will look different for each person. Um, we each have our own work and relationships and everything that will be shaped by this verse. Um, and then as you keep going down the chapter, you'll see the relational effect that this has for each person. And I think really interestingly, um, in verse 22, if you'll read with me, um, about halfway through, we see um, that our hard work should not be um, by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, um, so that whatever you do, you work heartily as for the Lord, not for man. Um, so our work becomes transformed, not be for other people um, and what other people can offer us, um, but for the Lord. However, I think sometimes um, we do work in order to get glory from others, in order to gain status, in order to feel needed, in order to feel important. Um, often our work is not for God, but it's in order to gain something that God has already given us. Um, we turn this good thing of work into an ultimate thing. Um, it's really easy to think that they need me to serve in the church band, they need me on the sports team to win, I need to get a good grade to support my family, I need to help that person, otherwise I'd have no one else. Um, it's really um, easy to, make, to use these things in order to try and make ourselves feel a certain way rather than believing the work Christ has done for us. Um, I think we have a heart issue and we often misuse work. Um, we often try and use these things to fulfill us and to make people feel proud or admirative of us. Um, when I was at university, I used being at every CU and church event as a badge of honour. And I really looked down my nose at people who couldn't do everything like I could. Um, I got myself in really difficult situations supporting people who were going through hard times. I think that was probably because it made me feel needed and it made me feel important. Um, I wanted good grades at university. And I think a lot of that was fueled by the fact that the people in my class made me feel insecure. They made me feel stupid. So I wanted to privately prove them wrong and get good grades. That is complete idolatry. Um, and it was completely assimilating to university culture. Um, and I wonder if any of this is ringing true for you as well. Um, I think the consequence of this heart attitude, this con the consequences of striving for something in our work, is that it can make us feel like we have to be everywhere we are asked to be and we need to know everything that we can possibly know and we need to be able to fix every problem that could possibly arise. Um, idolatry doesn't allow us to rest, it doesn't allow us to enjoy Christ's completed work. Um, instead, idolatry is a continual striving. So we need to be able to set aside our idol worship and accept that we need sleep, we need rest, we need friendship, and we need help. Because as Samuel was saying, we are dust. Um, I cannot do my job without asking people for help. I can't go a week without chatting to a friend. I can't go a day without sleep. And I can't go several hours without a snack. I am a very weak, <laughs> dependent, relying person. And I think you probably all are too, because that is the way we're made to be. Um, but I'm going to propose that the majority of us do not manage our time as if that is true. Um, we like to act like we can do everything, be everywhere, fix everything so that we don't seem weak, um, so that we can get that idol 
we have been striving for rather than having to rely on God. Um, I think we also quite often make excuses about why we are not dependent. Um, some of the ones I think I quite often hear in St Andrews are, or, well, in university, <laughs> are um, I paid a lot to be here and the sole reason I'm here is to do work. Um, I only have one chance to be in St Andrews, so I'm going to make the most of it. Or I, I just want to do my best and I don't want to let anything get in the way of that. Um, despite the name of the seminar, I'm not saying it's wrong to be busy. Um, I was very busy at university, <laughs> believe me. Um, but my concern is that our busyness reflects our heart problem. I wonder, are we busy because we're wanting to find something in work that we already have in Christ? And are we striving for that thing in a way that means we can never stop? So I think if we recognise that maybe we have a heart problem, we also need to recognise a way to fix it. Um, I'm going to propose one heart solution and two practical, and we're going to begin with the heart. And shortly after I finally stop talking, we're going to spend some time praying together in our personal prayer time, if you'll see it in your handout. Um, so our heart solution... What would it look like for us to do everything just for the Lord? If we did everything with the audience of one in mind, would we do everything with a different attitude? We have a great freedom in Christ's completed work. We have already been given status. We already have purpose and love. We, as Colossians says, have already been raised with Christ. We don't need to look elsewhere for things. We don't need these other things in order to gain stuff we already have in Christ. We have a lot to be thankful for, and we can do everything just for the Lord. Um, we don't need firsts in order to be loved by God. We don't need to work in London when we graduate in order to be satisfied and fulfilled. We don't need to be the go-to person in church and CE in order to be valued. That is a lot to be thankful for, um, and we can appreciate all of that because of what Christ has done for us. I think we need to keep reflecting on this though. Our hearts are very prone to forget all of that. Um, so I'd encourage you, why not write out our Colossians verse and stick it in your diary, in your Bible, on your Google Calendar. Um, so that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're going to spend some time in our groups and we're going to um, repent of any ways in which we've been misusing work. We're going to ask God to help us to submit all of that to him. And we're going to give thanks for all of the things we have in Christ, as Colossians tells us to do. Perfect timing, everyone ends it at the same time. Um, so on to our practical solutions. So whether or not you realise it, we have the ability to make decisions about how we use our time. As we saw in Colossians, we were able to do that under the identity change we have had in Christ. Um, I suspect though at uni... and. Uh, at university it can feel like life is just happening to you and you have to just go with the flow um, but in reality we can decide what we set our affections towards I think it probably feels so out of your control um, because at university we often make decisions about how we're going to spend our time what we're going to commit to at the start of the semester and then the effects and consequences of that um, take place more like mid and end semester um, so it can feel like a bit of a tidal wave <laughs> Um, I think another aspect of this is that um, a lot of us are perfectionists and we've been told our whole life to try our best. Um, but whenever your best is perfection, there's really no concept of deciding how much time to give a project 
a new concept of resting our identity in Christ. So I want to encourage us that we can think and pray about how we use our time. It's a really good thing to join with your friends in doing, especially as we head back to university and begin making those commitments. Um, we don't have endless time, as Samuel was saying. We are finite dust creatures. Um, so let's submit um, our identity to the knowledge of that and to the knowledge of um, what God's identity is. Um, so we're going to spend some time in our groups again and we're going to think about what do we sacrificially prioritise. Um, I've made a little list, but feel free to add other things. And then we're going to think about what is our motivation for doing that. And um, if we need to change any of our priorities or motivations when we think about these Colossians verses and setting our minds and things above in your groups. Um, so now that we have thought about our priorities, um, we're going to think about how we can also make sacrifices to help achieve those priorities. I think the concept of making sacrifice is quite a normal thing in adult full-time working life. I think it's actually less common in a university student. Um, but we have the ability to make sacrifices on our time. We can sacrifice working on an essay because a friend needs someone to talk to. We can sacrifice being on a sports team in order to hand a deadline in on time. It's going to be different for every person, um, but it's about doing things for God's glory, not our own. And I think this leads to the challenge um, that committing to things and not being able to follow through does not serve people well. Um, if someone took a job promotion but turned up late to every meeting, um, that wouldn't be serving well the people they work with. Um, so our rule of thumb should be that our work is to serve God and also to love our neighbour. I'm not saying that working hard at your university work is wrong. Um, it would be wrong to think that your sole aim is just to serve God and therefore your church commitments um, should come before your next essay. Um, God created and positioned you <laughs> to do university work. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, God created you and positioned you to do university work, so it would be wrong to use Christian service as an excuse from doing that. Um, but it's also wrong to think that it's more important to get a good grade than being fed by God's world word and built up by his people um, it's going to be different for each person because this is about heart issues um, so we're going to take some time to look at the example um, so a person declines a job promotion so that they can keep helping at their church's football team and let their spouse go to a fitness class so what does giving up the job promotion sacrifice in their life and what would this heart attitude look like in a university context I'll give you a couple of minutes and then Samuel will come up and pray to close it's been great hearing discussions about these companies and that will the football team disband? <laughs> will the band get back together? We don't know. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Erin. Um, we're just going to pray to close. This is an ongoing conversation, so if you want to talk amongst each other, talk to me or Erin about things that came up, things that you're not sure what does this look like lived out, uh, feel free to grab us today or rest of semester, um, but let's pray to close. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for the rest that we have in Christ through what he's done on the cross. Thank you that he is gentle and lowly. Thank you that you love us and provide perfect rest for us. Please keep us from idolatry, looking to ourselves um, as God's Lord. May we rest in your good, complete work and uh, live lives of freedom, not looking to people please, 
um, but looking to live in light of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.